was my midwife there, maybe a nurse, and and I so it's time to push, and that was it felt great. It felt great to push. It felt like um, I don't know, just comparing that to my second baby, I, pushing the first baby, I liked much better. You just feel like a blunt pushing. That was my experience. I didn't feel really specific, and maybe that's because I was in the water. But I didn't feel, like, really distinct sensations. It was more like, okay, we're just pushing something through something. Wow. <laughs> Whereas for the second time, I will say for me, it really felt like there's a baby going through my pelvis. <laughs> that's Kristen Hendricks, and this is the Rain Studios Podcast. Right. Tuning in to episode three of the Rain Studios podcast. I am Rain Reed, and this is my podcast. This conversation is with a dear friend of mine, Kristen Hendricks. It is one of birthing in power in the hospital setting. Not once, but twice, Kristen had baby number one, Danica, 16 years ago, completely natural, at age 17. She and Josh, her beloved, were and still are high school sweethearts. Who would then wait 14 years through some life changes and health changes to have their second child, Fawn. Kristen was planning a home birth with a midwife for round two. However, her blood pressure and history of kidney issues would place her back in the hospital for the birth of Fawn. What's truly miraculous about these stories that through both hospital experiences, Kristen was able to labor and deliver both babies naturally. And by naturally, I mean with no medical interventions whatsoever. She was able to do this by communication. By communicating clearly with the hospital staff what she did and did not want. The story is beyond empowering and teaches us so much of the power of communication. Knowing your rights and sticking with your intuitive knowledge and your instinctual wisdom. I am delighted to share this conversation with you all. I give you Kristen Hendricks. A little disclaimer for today's show. You'll notice that there's a little sound every time Kristen and I reference uh, by name the traditional midwife that we're speaking of. And this dinging sound is to protect her because she is a unlicensed traditional midwife, which means um, she's old school. She's a midwife who has attended births for over 35 years and um, just simply has not, um, chooses not to abide by the rules and regulations of uh, MANA or NARM or um, the certification process of say like a nurse midwife or anyway this is something we'll get into down the road in another episode um, about the legality and the technicalities of what it means to be a midwife but so I just wanted you guys to know that for today's purposes we are protecting this um, traditional midwife because um, in the state of Oregon it is legal so again I say it it is legal to practice as a traditional midwife, which is unlicensed. Um, however, if you are a traditional midwife, uh, one of the 
one of the sort of regulations on their practice is that they can't advertise. So it all has to be word of mouth. Um, so we just don't want this podcast to be any form of advertising for this individual. Um, however, I am a huge proponent of traditional midwifery and uh, she is unbelievably qualified um, as a midwife. I would have her attend <laughs> any of my births um, in the future. So, And I know uh, a lot of women who feel that same way. And a lot of the midwives in the community um, really respect this particular individual. Um, I think I already said she's got 35 years plus of uh, practicing as a midwife. So just wanted to give you guys that disclaimer for the bings. And yeah, enjoy the show. Here we go. Episode three of the Rain Podcast. And our guest today is Kristen and Fawn. <laughs> and um, yeah, so today we actually, in typical mom fashion, we tried to set up a little group play date where we have one of our friends babysitting and we get to come in the podcast room and things just work the way that they work. And Fawn's nursing and we're hanging out and... And we're going to see how it works. So, um, welcome to motherhood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And welcome, Kristen. So, yeah, I feel like best place to start is either one. Fawn is nursing right now, so if you want to tell Fawn <laughs> if you feel closer to her or... Well, yeah, we can start back at the beginning, my first beginning. daughter. Sure. Um, my first daughter, I was 16 had this boyfriend and I was just bonkers, bonkers, bonkers about him. And um, he liked me too. And um, and then I was pregnant. <laughs> Boom. Boom. 16. Yeah, 16. And how old, how, what like school grade? Were you guys in school? I was a junior. Yeah, yeah, no, we went to public school. Okay. And so it was like the middle of my junior year and I turned 17 a couple months later, so... When you're a teen mom, like, every year counts. Yeah. It's a big deal. So 17 somehow sounds a little older than 17. And 17 <laughs> when you, you were 17 when you had When her. she was born, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he was 16 also, and he turned 17 just a few days before the birth. So we were both 17 when she was born. Um, at the time, I was a teenager, so, um, like, my parents' insurance wouldn't cover an OB for a birth. So we were, I just said, well, is there such thing as a midwife? Is that like a thing? Um, and we looked into it, and sure enough, because my thought was, if we have to pay out of pocket, it's got to be cheaper to go with a midwife. And that's, I didn't know anything about birth philosophy or, or really natural birth that much or why, all of the really good reasons to choose a midwife versus, you know, an OB. But at the time, that's kind of just what happened. How do you, do you remember how you knew about midwives? Because, I mean, you're 16 years old. I really don't, because, and I didn't know anything about home birth, actually. I just knew, I don't know if I saw, like, a baby story on TLC or something, or I don't know how I even heard about that. But something, yeah, some sort of seed got planted. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, what a a blessing that I had that thought even, right? It's probably a miracle, practically. Yeah. Well, because for so many people... Nowadays, especially like in the U.S. or the Western world, 
midwife is not something that's like rolling off their tongue. You yeah. Know, it's very, so yeah, that, that is a blessing or like a wisdom of your 16 year old self that is like unbelievable. And Chris and I have talked about the wisdom of her 16 year old self, <laughs> 17 year old self at birthing days. Um, and how that, so about how your age played into your birth experience. Oh, absolutely. Because I had, and my mom, I was an only child, and we didn't have, like, a lot of babies around us. So that wasn't, we weren't in a world where there was babies and people having babies. Um, so I had, like, what to expect when you're expecting, and that was the only thing I read. I was like, all right, that's cool. And, uh-huh. and I didn't really, you know, know anything else, but I, we were just going for it. I was like, oh, yeah, and I liked I just thought, oh, it's going to be such an adventure, and I thought, natural childbirth, I mean, it's what women are designed to do, right? So we'll just Mm -hmm. do it. So there was that kind of blessing of not really knowing any better or having, like, the fear kind of maybe put into me by other peers or whatever. Did you have any friends that had babies? No, no, I didn't have anybody around me that had babies, really. So, um, Do you remember, like, when you found out that you were pregnant, like, or, like, how many periods did you miss, or, or did you know instantly, or? It was, we knew pretty quick, um, and I don't know why, because it was, like, I think I must have taken a test within the first couple weeks after, you know, the periods didn't start, so it was pretty yeah. early on, and. I think we were so, like, young and in love that we didn't think it was, like, that bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's really bad sure. at all. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think my mother, on the other hand, was, like, less, but she got, she got, she was very supportive, but mm-hmm. I think I was, like, the straight-A student, and he was the, like, skateboarder that doesn't go to school. Rock on. So, <laughs> So there was that attraction, right? Wait, and earlier, while playing in the sandpit, I must say, the, we were talking about how um, oh. Office Space is, like, the best movie ever, and Chris was like, my husband is... He's the guy next door, the, <laughs> the like, construction worker, because my husband does do construction. He's always yeah. known he would never work in an office. Like, he hated every moment of school. Anytime you have to, like, fill out, like, a, a fill-in-the-blank, he's, uh, like, so out. Yeah, David's so, so Totally yeah. Same. yeah. I mean, I'm the same way, too. Yeah. Not yeah. school. But you were a straight-A student. I was, yeah. Like, I was all about school. But there's a part of me that feels like I must have been done at the same time because I didn't miss what I was then, you know, I was maybe, like, ready to move on somehow. I mean, I don't think I was really ready, but, mm-hmm. you know. Well, yeah, we're kind of jumping around a little bit. Wolfie, I'm in here, bud, if you want me. Bud. Homeschool is something that we've talked about, um, because Kristen and I are now very good friends and have had, like, had a mom's group, um, and, and we're also studying to be midwives together, so we're spending quite a bit of time, and we've talked about what it looks like to do, um, homeschool, Mm -hmm. and, but so what's interesting and cool is that you, you were excelling at school school, at public Mm -hmm. school. And, like, I know Amanda has said she was super excelling at school, and, um, you know, but then, but then you guys are very much considering homeschooling for your own children. What do you think that, can you elaborate on that, like, philosophy and how you've changed your thoughts there? Sure. 
I think um, some of it to begin with was maybe like a confidence, like, okay, well, I know school. I could do that. And I think that got me started, you know, with a preschooler. It's so great that if you start homeschooling, you're going to, usually you're going to start with a really little person and you really can't mess that up. It's like colors and you know you're already homeschooling basically the second you have a baby because you're teaching them all the time totally um so it's kind of a continuation of that and then just starting to read books about homeschooling and realizing like oh it doesn't even need to be like school like you're not trying to do school at home right and then we talk about like the unschooling yeah yeah so just like loving learning because i you know i do kind of love that and I had a good experience and maybe that helped me to be like um, interested in that I think any person can be homeschooling their kids I don't think you need to be somebody who is good at regular school at all Um, but for me I think that helped me to feel like oh I could do that Mm -hmm. you know yeah rock on yeah we're thinking about starting our own little group of unschooling homeschooling so that's why we're Bringing it in. That's right, Pika, buddy. Very Pika. So let's continue then on Danica's birth. Yeah. So then we're just going for it, and it's it was so cool to read birth stories later, and then look at my own first first birth with my daughter, and be like, it was so like that. Like I remember, I went into labor, and then I was over at my boyfriend's house, Josh, and. We were just excited and giddy, and then, you know, we're just kind of, like, snuggling, like, in his room in the dark, you know, because it's, like, the middle of the night, and just, like, so enjoying that time, and the contractions were getting harder, like, where I wasn't smiling as much, but it was still, like, a really cozy, happy place, um, and, but I had had a, it was a certified nurse midwife that I was using, or whatever and um so then we were definitely planning to go to the hospital that was the option I don't I had never heard of home birth and that wasn't presented to us so the plan was then to go to the hospital and and so that car ride was like the worst like I think a lot of people I imagine would choose home birth almost just to avoid that car ride in the middle of labor because at the time it was like oh no the pain why is it so much more intense now than it was just a little while ago and getting settled in the room you're just like this is not pain was just worse like it was really it was probably picking up because my labor was moving along but it was also just really different and a laboring woman really shouldn't have to be changing places and hurling down a freeway at 70 miles per hour and (laughs) sitting in a weird you know I don't know it's just all like it was very unsettling the change of scenery being very unsettling I think that's really yeah really pulling you out of your happy labor place so I, at the time, I didn't realize that that was, would affect me so much or that it had an effect on your brain and your chemicals. Um, and as I study now, I think, like, yeah, that's what <laughs> happened for me. That's why I was like, oh, it's terrible all of a sudden. Why? Why? Mm. Um, and I was like, oh, of course it was. But I settled back in, and at the time, you could have a water birth in the hospital, so I could get in the pool. I got, when I was, like, I was about four centimeters when we got to the hospital, which at the time I felt devastated, like, oh my gosh, I'm in so much pain, and I'm not even, like, halfway there, no, but now I know, that's pretty good if you're planning to go to the hospital, and you can at least be at four centimeters when you get there, especially first, first baby, that's not bad at all, and you're more than halfway there, really, at that point, Yeah. you know, and of course it's starting to be kind of, so that wasn't bad, but it was a hard moment. But I, we got back in the groove and got in the pool, and that was wonderful. It was, 
I was back to giddy and happy for a while in the pool. And then it, it got more intense, but it was manageable. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it was flowing back into the groove again, I think. Um, and it was wonderful. We, you know, I had only ever seen birth stuff where, you know, the lady's in the lithotomy position, you know, in a hospital. Like, you know, she's got her legs up weird and she's sitting there. I don't know. Um, and we watched a birth that was a water birth video at our little birth class we went to. Um, and again, they, they were just kind of sitting in the water quietly, and then there was a baby. <laughs> and we're like, oh, let's do that. I think that sold me. I'm like, well, they look like they're having a good time. I don't know if they're having a baby or making a baby. Like, they're just sitting there. Wait, do you remember what, what video, was it, um, that, I feel like that was probably before, what's the movie? Why can't I remember right now? I don't the business know. of being born. I think it was because I oh, really? hadn't seen anything, and it was just like it was like almost like an educational movie. Like it was really bizarre looking in retrospect. Like it's un- it was unlike any video I've ever seen since. Where yeah. there's just like these two, like a man and a woman, and they're sitting in a hot tub, and then there's a baby. Baby. You're like okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. But maybe it was a good thing. I was like, sure, we can try that. Well, so in the three, I mean, I was thinking about this at, you know, three o'clock in the morning. Thank you. When I was thinking about our interview today. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, um, and just how, like, can you imagine if we had, as a society, never introduced fear as an option for birth? So, like... You know, think about, like, being a birthing woman in Indonesia. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, like, a, like an indigenous or tribal situation where, like, it's, it's as normal as all of your, you know, basically daily or monthly or yearly activities is, like, this huge rite of passage, which is, you know, becoming pregnant and then birthing the child, but it's just, I mean, as, as much as it's going to be difficult, I don't think that anyone in the world, any woman in the world would ever say that it's not going to be difficult, but just the fear around it, like, I don't feel like they're, I don't feel like their default, and maybe I'm wrong, but I don't, I don't feel like, you know, her default would be like, well, I wonder what, you know, if something goes wrong, I'm going to have to go to the hospital because yeah. that's literally not an option. And so it's just interesting to think about, like, I wonder what it would have been like before birth became medicalized. Is that the yeah, word? Absolutely, yeah. With Yeah, I, I think that too, especially you think about practicing midwifery because you're looking to be traditional and kind of getting back to the roots of what women do. Yes. But we live in a society where that is always going to be something in the back of a woman's mind. Not only the what ifs for herself, but also what are people going to think of something? You know, it's just there's a lot that she can never quite get rid of. And I, maybe maybe we can. Maybe that's selling women short. But I think it's that's something that's certainly hard to get over. Or even tribal groups, or even Amish women, who that's that's not part of what that's not going to happen. They are not going. So that's right. not thing. You yeah. Know? But to, yeah, to, to imagine what it would be like to birth without that in the back of your head. Yeah. It um, seems like it'd be a lot easier, a lot more freeing. You'd listen to your body more because you wouldn't be thinking maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the doctor, <laughs> I don't know. Yes. Right. Yes. The, the self doubt. And I feel like that's a lot, you know, we could have a whole podcast probably about self doubt, but, um, I feel like, you know, bringing, 
<laughs> this is one of those things that I'm still kind of shocked to say out loud, basically due to how um, the response of the listener, but like Wolfie has never been to the doctor, mm-hmm. and he just turned two, and you know, we had home birth, and, he's yeah. never, and so it, and it's like, and I feel like at first people, are, I don't know even what the reaction is, like what, yeah. you know, there's never been anything, and I'm knocking on wood, there's <laughs> never been anything wrong with him. Yeah. So like, you know, and, and when I think about the doctor, and I'm grateful for the medical community, but I feel like if there is something wrong with me, then I will go. And, you know, which we'll get into with your second birth, um, having, uh, Elevated heart rate, right? Oh, it's uh, blood pressure. Blood pressure. So they're looking, you know, kind of preeclampsia. Yeah, and so this is like a reason, um, you know, a a total reason to go, you know, to have medical assistance. But like in life, if you can think about humans being born and we're all essentially like, like, or not all, but I mean, for the most part, we're like 95% of human beings, 95% of any being that is born, mm-hmm. is basically born perfect. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, five fingers, five toes, functioning, you know, highly functioning, you oh, know, yeah. eyesight it's and amazing. hearing. It's amazing. And that's like what, you know, and I have respect and, and empathy and sympathy and, you know, my heart goes out to people who don't experience that and, and have complications. But, you know, for the most part, as a species, like, that's why we're still here. That's why yeah. we're still around. That's, that's also why we're at the top of the, you know, quote-unquote food chain, so to speak, is because our species is very equipped, like, mm-hmm. unbelievably equipped for life. Oh, and yeah. so if we're that equipped for life, you know, why would we as a society be like, but we're not equipped for birth? Yeah. You There's know? a real disconnect there. Yes. And and I feel like that is, you know, that's certainly, um, it seems to be like a common theme for our group of, you know, studying midwives. And um, yeah, I kind of just went on a tangent there. So. Oh, no, no. <laughs> that's all good stuff. But, um... All right, so we're birthing. Birthing, yeah. Birthing, and I just kind of end up for the last probably couple hours, just like on my hands and knees, and just staring into the water, and yeah, and I had never really thought about hands and knees, and then you read things now, and it's like, oh, of course, that's a great way to birth. (laughs) At the time, I had never seen that, but again, that's I think that part of that being a teenager and just being like, I don't know anything, so I'll just follow whatever seems to make sense, you know, mm-hmm. what you feel. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so it was that time and, um, I'm in the water and then it starts being time to push. And again, I was really looking at the water, so I didn't, I think there was my midwife there and maybe a nurse and, and I, so it was time to push and that was, it felt great. It felt great to push. It felt like, um, I don't know, just, Comparing that to my second baby, pushing the first baby I liked much better. You just feel like a blunt pushing, that was my experience. I didn't feel really specific, and maybe that's because I was in the water. But I didn't feel like really distinct sensations. It was more like, okay, we're just pushing something through something. (laughs) Whereas for the second time, I will say for me, it really felt like there's a baby going through my pelvis. (laughs) Like you almost feel like there's like rubber bands popping as she's like moving through where it was like a little more intense and distinct and like, 
uncomfortable. And you weren't <laughs> in the water. Way. And I wasn't in the water for the second one. So I'm not sure how much of that second baby versus first baby or the water. Mm. Um, and I think every woman can be a little different. There's a lot of similarities, but... Yeah. Um, well, then, too, if you think about, like, position of the baby as the baby's yeah. descending... Mm-hmm. Sounds like Danica might have been in, like, the world's most perfect position. Yeah. Whereas Fawn might have been a little more... She could have been a little funny since we had gravity to deal with at the same same time. And she's named after... She's a baby deer, so you have a little limb. (laughs) I felt them. (laughs) In a more intense way than with the first... Too cool. So, yeah, my first daughter, Danica, that's her name, um... Then she, it was like 30 minutes of pushing or so, and it felt really, like, good. Like, it felt like running up a mountain, like, just intense. We're just going for it, and it's kind of cool. And and then she was born, and, she, and then she comes up out of the water, and I've got her, and I'm looking, and I'm thinking, like, oh, it's a little baby. How cool. And there's just the room of, like, the midwife and the nurses go, oh, she's big. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know any different. I'm like, oh, it's my little baby she's little you know and they're like and then we weigh her and she's 10 pounds stop and so they had to bring in different diapers because oh. the, the hospital room they have the little diapers and they're like they didn't fit like oh she didn't move God. up a size she's this, this gargantuan baby wow yeah. and so that's one of those beautiful mysteries debunked yeah yeah so like, you know because mm-hmm. a lot of people say uh or like i've heard doctors say like oh no this baby's too big to be natural birth yeah. yeah. You're going you're gonna to need some help. <laughs> Clearly, Kristen didn't need help. No, no. Um, it was so, it was very cool. And, you know, the, the nurse midwife, now having had a traditional midwife for my second daughter, my the nurse midwife didn't really, like, touch my stomach that much. So she didn't really, I never had an idea of, I don't know how big she was, or they mm. kind of had an idea, like, oh, she feels about seven pounds or so. She should fit. And one of the midwives is a little bit more try to put the fear in you mm. <laughs> she'd be like seven that will probably fit like she would say little stuff like she was really down on sugar this Which is first first for birth. the first baby okay yeah there was two mid two nurse midwives that i would kind of rotate your appointments because you didn't know who was going to be on call and so this was like appointments for you to go in yeah for my prenatal, prenatal visits and they, so they did not come to your house no okay no. got it yeah yeah it's like a clinic it's very you know, it, it was all right. I didn't know to want or anything different, so yeah. I thought it was nice enough. And yeah. um, just trying to set the, the, sure. the vision for the for the listeners. Because there's so many different kinds of midwives mm-hmm. and experiences and practices and things. Um, but anyway, yeah. So they had no idea she was going to be big. <laughs> and then there she was. Wow. <laughs> and I'm glad that I didn't have that in my head, like that she was big. I was actually really glad that they had no idea because it made it easier. You just oh, I'm just gonna push, and out she's gonna come, and that's what happened. And there she was. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually so one of my good dear friends and and mentors and um, humans, uh, Catherine Lightfoot. She was. I mean, she would touch my stomach, but she was almost less is more, you know, mm-hmm. like she, she didn't see the reason of learning too much about, um, you know, the size of the baby, trying to sure. guess how much you, he or she weighed, you mm-hmm. know, for that reason. Because it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's the right size, right? It's the right, exactly <laughs> what she said. It's the right size and, you know. Yeah little baby is growing with mom mm-hmm. is sort of you know it's very much like 
you couldn't be more, you couldn't work together more synergistically than a mom and a baby. Yeah, right? totally. Like the creation of a, a baby. It's a beautiful way to look at it, yeah. Inside of Because so we're like, working together, whether we know it or not always, but yes. yeah, totally. Working together. Oh, so cool. So then you have your large baby. Yeah. Large baby, Danica. <laughs> and then, um, how long did you stay at the hospital? Uh, we were, and I, I didn't know any push any different, but she was born like one in the afternoon and we left the next afternoon. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't think there was any real reason to stay. It just seemed like, I lived an hour away from the hospital, so I don't know if that was, kind of lived up in the woods and so mm-hmm. maybe that was part of, you don't necessarily, first time, your first experience, want to go home and then have, a have some kind of emergency. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how much thought really went into that on our part. Or did if it was just hospital policy. a lot of, like, were you skin to skin? And, like, did she nurse right away? Or You know, it was, and this was really different, too, is um, even though I had a midwife and everything was really great, it, my perception was, and I think it's pretty accurate, was she was born and almost immediately she went to have a bath. And my husband got to do that, um, so that was really nice, and we have pictures, and, yeah. you know, and then it was like, oh, and now it's third stage for me, you know, getting the placenta out and getting a couple oh, stitches. Yeah. I had, like, a couple stitches. They weren't, it wasn't any big deal. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, my memory is it seems like it was forever until I got the baby back, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. whereas uh, with my second one, I had her, like, immediately and didn't have mm-hmm. to let go of her for nothing, and that, yeah. I loved that. Yeah, I feel like you're, because you had a natural birth your first time, do like so much hormones, you know, you were ready to be like, yeah. to hold your baby and then the practices. It's interesting, and I, I've um, researched, like, there's some cultures that that is a, a part of, even like traditional birth. Yeah. You know, yeah. like like out of, out of hospital or at home kind of birth where they do, and the dad will wash the baby. Yeah. You know, and then give the baby, it's something. So yeah, I feel like, really and I feel to. like if the intention is loving, yeah, it, then it you know it doesn't have to be this like scary separation from mom. Oh sure. But at the same time, I, I do think like checking in with your instinct mm-hmm. and your instinct to be like your baby comes out and you hold your baby. Yeah, you know. For, yeah days <laughs> you know and that was another thing I was thinking about at 3 o'clock in the morning this morning was um cause I had a baby I had a wrap mm-hmm. you know but like if I had another baby like I would I would not even dress myself on the top now like I would be oh, yeah. I would just have like I would just wear naked baby and my wrap yeah you know and then maybe like a, <laughs> like a big shirt over the whole thing yeah but like it just because, and everyone, do, the concern about the baby's temperature, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's like, the baby has to be warm, and nothing keeps the baby warm like skin-to-skin contact. Yeah, it's like, it's almost like we're designed to have them and keep them warm. Yeah, it's almost like, we're the totally. perfect warmer for our babies. Exactly. <laughs> yes. It's crazy. Yes. So that, mm. All right, so then you go, and then you go home. And yeah. Then you're, and then you're a mom. Mm-hmm. And you're a 17-year-old mom, and you're crushing yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was, it was definitely intense, and it was, there were hard parts, and, yeah. um, but yeah, yeah, nursing and everything. And then, so you fast forward, I guess, um. Wait, then you guys got married. Yeah, we got married, like, right after we graduated from high school. Um, 
And then I had, and this is a whole other thing, I had this really weird, like, almost fatal illness. Oh, right. Um, for, like, that's, we got married, you know, and I was already starting to get sick, but we're like, oh, what is it? And it's like, I'm too busy getting married and graduating and taking care of a nine-month-old to worry about Me. why Why do I have a fever <laughs> all the time or whatever? Um, and then that just sort of ballooned through the summer into this illness where I was in the ICU for, like, uh, six weeks, and I had mm-hmm. kidney failure. Um, and then I sort of got better. I feel like it was one of those things where I feel like God almost just, like, took me right through the storm and then brought me back out. Because the doctors really were kind of always a couple steps behind the process <laughs> of, like, trying to figure out what's wrong with her and how do we fix it. But it was really, it was, like, really bad. And then I kind of slowly could go home. And it was kind of like one day it was so weird. I was like, oh, you could go home now. Oh. And then a few days I was still on dialysis for my kidney failure. And then one day they're like, you know, your numbers look pretty good. I think I think this is your last day. I think we're gonna go ahead and pull out the. And I was like, oh, okay. So you lived in the hospital. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. For how long? So it was like basically six weeks. I would say there was like a in the beginning there was some going home because they would think like, oh, maybe you're better. No, I wasn't. <laughs> Did you so. have like? jaundice did you turn did your skin change color i had like um red and purple rashes so they think it was possibly something called ttp thrombotic thrombocytopenic purpura wow yeah it's a (laughs) mouthful right but then other doctors are like it's absolutely not that because whatever so they were really confused about what, what was causes wrong that? Why. They think possibly I'd begun to take birth control pills. And I also tested positive for mono. And so they wonder if I was having, like, a lot of virus and bacteria. Because I also tested positive for strep at one point. Mm. And then the birth control pills, they wonder if my body just went, like, this is a lot of crap. <laughs> and then it was, like, an immune system, like, you know, an autoimmune, like, snafu of epic proportions. Awesome. Yeah. So that's kind of the best guess for what that was about. Wow. But what that meant for me was I had then high blood pressure for years. Um, and I didn't want to get pregnant during that. So I wanted more children. Mm-hmm. But I was, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was in a physical, you know, I didn't want to have to be a high risk OB, bazillion appointments, bazillion tests. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I didn't want to go that route. Um, so we kind of just waited and waited until my blood pressure was down, and I wasn't on medication anymore. So and that you stopped taking birth control altogether. Yeah, I only took it for like a month or something before I was sick, and then I was like, "Well, I don't really need this right now. Right. <laughs> Not an issue." Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> So I cannot With take mono those. and strep, not feeling the sexiest. Yeah, like, not gonna engage with you. Sorry, and a nine month old. Yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's exciting. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a crazy time. But you're time. in really good shape now. I mean, I do feel pretty good right now. Um, you know, we can kind of get back to that maybe after. Yeah. The other. Yeah. Right. Sorry. Woo. No. <laughs> Kristen, before the interview, she's like, "You're gonna have to rein me in." Okay, she's raining us in. Thank God. <laughs> so yeah, birth number two. Yes. So then, um, my oldest daughter, our daughter is thirteen, 
and my I'm off my blood pressure medication for like a year or so, and I'm like, I think we can do this, and I'm like, come on. <laughs> my husband's always thinking like, we'll have more children maybe sometime, but I was like, no, like now. And I was like, I was about thirty, and I was thinking like, oh, you know, now is a great time. So he finally was like, okay, this is you know, you always go along for my adventures, so let's do your adventure now. So. Um, so then we were trying for baby number two, um, that's Fawn, and I was, I became pregnant with her pretty quickly, well actually, okay, I guess if we want to fill in a little bit, we started mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year, and I got pregnant in March, and then I lost that baby at about seven weeks or so, I had known wow. I was pregnant for maybe like two and a half weeks. Wow. So, and that was hard, but it was like, it was okay too, where it was like, okay, I can... I, you know, I'm, there's blessings and there's sometimes you lose it. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, and that was a good learning experience, I think, for me and a good growing time. Wow. Um, I think I, the last time I read about, you know, averages, um, one in five women will have at least one miscarriage. Oh, yeah. And it's then, so common. And then, like, I think one in three don't even know that they've had, right. you know, like, because some mm-hmm. people are, you know, more in tune or whatnot, but yeah, I mean, miscarriage, super common, mm-hmm. not trying to take, oh, you know, the, the love and oh, empathy yeah. that I have for you in having that, because it is a big deal, you know, yeah. it's always a very emotional thing, but to know that, like, you're not, there's nothing wrong with you, you oh, know, sure. it's really, yeah. like, it's good to remember that it's almost just as natural as you know, coming to full term. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And isn't in our study group right now, our chapter is like yes. about the embryo and you just see how much happens and how miraculous that these few cells become a baby. <laughs> so just that it ever works, I think is like, wow, you know, and it works so much of the time. It's so actually pretty, much. it happens. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So that was, so you got pregnant in March, mm-hmm. and then... Miscarried in April. Okay. And then, in August, I became pregnant again and kind of found out right at the end of August. Like, oh, I'm pregnant again. So... Quick. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty quick. When you're in the middle of it, you're kind of afraid, like, oh, gosh, what if... I have to be okay if I don't ever conceive, or if yeah. I only have miscarriages, or, you know, I have to be, like... If I'm going to try, I have to be okay with... There's no guarantees, you know? Wow. Yeah. So... But then, yeah, I was pregnant again, and I had to kind of come to terms, because then when you're pregnant, you're like, oh, no, but but you can lose it, you know? Yeah. So then I was like, I don't have enough energy to build a baby and mourn the baby <laughs> while I build it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I gotta let go, and I will, if I have to mourn, like, God will take me through that, too. Yeah. But right now, we're making a baby. <laughs> right. <laughs> so there I was, and I got, I feel like I got pretty chilled out about that pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um... And I had heard, super random, but like at a family birthday party, there was a friend there who was like, I am pregnant, I got this traditional midwife, she's just super amazing, and in my head I'm going, oh, and that was actually the time of my first pregnancy, of, you know, my first re, my second pregnancy, I guess, the one that that miscarried. Oh, okay. Um, So I heard about her. Um, so then when I was pregnant the second time, I called her, I was like, oh, hey, <laughs> yeah, we were let's do this. <laughs> yeah, like Sarah and I were like, how did she find It was completely by chance and, you know, mm-hmm. just such a, it was such a blessing to hear about her. Um, and apparently that's how, like, 
all of her clients find out about her. Yeah. It's just kind like, of a neat trail. Oh, it's so neat. I feel like she is like a real fairy godmother. You know, yeah, just like she is. Tink. Here I am. Bibbidi bobbidi boo. Oh, so cool. So then so how how far along were you when you met with I called her pretty quick because after the the miscarriage, I felt like I want to have somebody to talk to about, you know, even if you have a miscarriage, it's nice to have someone other than an OB, because I had a little of a not so great experience with that, Mm. and then like, I'd like to have somebody normal (laughs) that I can talk to about normal women, I'm a normal woman, maybe having a miscarriage, like Mm -hmm. I wanted someone to call if that's what I needed to do, Mm -hmm. Um, and it's it's good to call early anyway, so you can kind of get in you know, so you have your midwife kind of scheduled you in, but yeah. I definitely was. Well, and because what we, so is also leading our uh, study group, which we're so blessed to have her. Um, and it's just so different. Like it's not, it's non-medicalized, mm-hmm. you know, or it's normal. Yeah. Normalized or, you know, it's, it's a natural, it's a natural thing being pregnant. It's a natural thing for women to, group up and take care of each other. This mm-hmm. is all, like, you know, biology, evolution, or whatever, you know, like, it's all built in. Like, that's what we've been doing for thousands of years. Oh, yeah. And so it's cool to have... Because I can imagine, like, putting myself in your position where you just miscarried, and the speaking with an OB, they, yeah, probably... And for their own good reasons... They medicalize that for you because they're trying to like be like, okay, this is logistically this is what happened. Yeah. And you know, so there's nothing wrong with you and it's okay and it's great and it's fine and you know, <laughs> better luck next time. Yeah. Right? They wanted to do a scan and I feel like those scans can read like every little bump. So they're like, well, we want to do a surgery to go in and just, it wasn't even about like a DNC. It was like, well, we think there might be a little polyp, which I later find out is like, completely normal. It's not even a fibroid. It's not even a precancerous thing. It's just like a little bloop inside your uterus. It's like what? Like a mole. Yeah, basically. <laughs> it's like completely nothing, but they're like ready to like, let's schedule a surgery. And I'm thinking like, what the heck? Like I'm, whoa, you know, back off. There's so much trouble. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, um, what is that word? Overachiever. A little yeah, bit of an overachiever. Yeah, like I'm not looking of... for more. I'm like, you know, yeah. conservative here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and it's like, try you, we try to trust our bodies. Yeah. And that pro, that process is just like that's going outside of yourself and trusting, entrusting a doctor or a professional to tell you how to do something that, like, really in truth, we don't know how it works, and they don't know how it works. Really, you know, yeah. like we have these beautiful drawings of you know cells separating or yeah. you know, multiplying and doing their things and we're and we have all these words that we put to them to make sense of it all mm-hmm. but like really when you start to look at it it's it is magic it, it is. is it's like why do those cells make the baby and the other cells make the other thing and they're really just cells that came out of the one cell it's mind-blowing <laughs> and then to think that that's literally how everything comes to on this planet, you know, like, that's, like, when I'm in the garden and I'm, like, looking at a bean, Mm -hmm. you know, it's the same, and it's even, like, the same shape, it's, like, a little, like, a little embryo, it's crazy. It is crazy. It's just nuts. So that... (laughs) Yeah, so I met with her and got going, and, um, well, the great thing about 
as a traditional midwife is she knows normal and so she can tell you if you're if you're moving outside normal and she can say you know these are tests that you might think about or this is what you might do if we ran into this kind of trouble. So I came to her with a kind of complicated medical history with the blood pressure and all that, you know, and, but she was like, well, you know, let's just treat you like that's not there. But meanwhile, it's in the back of our mind. And if we see things going a different direction, we can look into it. And she also, she said, to be on the safe side, I would like to do some blood tests so we can keep track of your kidney function throughout pregnancy. So I think we did like, um, probably like two or three just for fun throughout the pregnancy of like, and everything was going really well. My blood pressure was okay. It was on the high end of normal. Mm -hmm. Like for normal ladies, it would have been like, gee, you need to chill out. (laughs) But for me, it was low, lower than it had been. And it was, well, for the, anybody who cares, it was like in the one thirties over 80 or so. Mm -hmm. Um, Throughout my pregnancy. What's your blood pressure now? Do you take it? It is. It's a little high. It still is high from... I And I take um, Lebedolol now. I take a little something-something mm. for it. It's so funny. I mean, Kristen's like one of the chillest people. <laughs> right? Just like, it's amazing how like what's going on inside yeah. can be so different than... Yeah, and she has no forehead wrinkles. She's chill. <laughs> it's amazing. It's just amazing. So... Cool, man. It's funny. So, yeah, stayed. It's still with me from the from the pregnancy. But and it was stand, it was holding steady. And then, like, one month to go. Everything was going great. I felt awesome. I felt like the healthiest I've ever felt during my pregnancy. And I felt, like, this renew, renewed motivation to eat well. And I was really active. And I just loved it. Um, and then, like, a month to go, I'm starting to get higher blood pressure readings. And like, oh. Because <laughs> she's keeping an eye on it, you know. Was coming to your house? Yeah, yeah. She came for Weekly. all my prenatals at my house. Basically, like the regular schedule, where you know it's like once a month during the second trimester, and then starts being like twice a month, and then every week, you know, yeah. for the last month or whatever. And um, and it was a little high, so she's like, you know, you can try try the little tricks. You know, she's like, you could try a little bit of herb stuff, but really that needs to get down like asap. Mm-hmm. And um. Do you meditate or any of that? Um, you know, prayer. And I, I was taking a lot of baths, yeah. and I was trying to, like, just chill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a teenage daughter, and she's amazing, but it's a whole other parenting thing. So oh God, yeah. I, I'm not blaming her at all for my blood pressure. But, you, you know, you kind of have to be at least... I can check out maybe as much as if it, I didn't have any other... And how old was Danica at the time? She was 13 she was for my 13. second pregnancy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's definitely... Your second baby. That's definitely... <laughs> that is definitely something to, to put in, I think, She's on the chart. She's just entering motherhood... Or not motherhood. Uh, womanhood, womanhood, too. And that's yeah. like, oh my gosh, what a roller coaster. Wow. Yeah. It gave me a new respect for my husband because, you know, living with a woman is... It's a whole nother thing. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. A pregnant, your pregnant wife and your and 13 year old daughter. daughter. Yeah, he's great. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> oh. And I think he's just so good with ladies and so understanding that that's why we had another daughter. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it's like, no, you're good with daughters because he daughters. is so good yeah. and so understanding about, I don't know, femininity. So and, cool. Yeah. So. Going up, um, so was like, this is really 
getting out of what's comfortable, you know, because the baby, you know, you're looking at, you can have, you can have a stroke if your blood pressure is up high, and I was starting to get above 150 over 100, it was, and it was, even, it was like some 170 over 110 kind of stuff, and she's like, we can't, you know, so we went into the hospital to have it checked out, and we're laying around the hospital, and it's like 11 at night or whatever, um, because she's like, you know, we really, I think, I think they're going to say this is preeclampsia, and it's time to get you induced. So we went, and we're laying around for a couple hours, because that's how they roll at the hospital, and my blood pressure's low, huh. and the doctor's, like, almost not, I feel really bad for because the doctor was almost like, oh, these traditional midwives don't even know how to take a blood pressure, like, that's the vibe she was giving us, like, you guys don't even know about like, trust me, it was really high before. It was. <laughs> and she was taking it. She had an assistant take it. I had my own, like, home cuff. Wow. Like, digital. And they were all, like, the same. And I even went to the store, you know, when I was out and about. And, like, let's try the store one. They were all the same. So it was wow. totally, it was happening. But then for whatever reason, at the hospital, it was down. See, I wonder. Can I interject for a second? <laughs> totally. Go for it. Because this is cool. Because mm-hmm. a lot of, like flack for the hospital but maybe this is sort of reverse psychology moment where like because you became more like quote-unquote high risk Mm -hmm. when you entered the hospital facility the setting where that where those people were actually they are designed to help that situation Mm -hmm. maybe you calmed down yeah i think there is something emotionally like maybe you're like you know what I am supposed to be here right now. It was kind of humbling that way, too, where you're like, oh, my gosh, do I just, like, have some sick love for the hospital? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you had a great experience the first time. That's true, too. So I did did not have, like, the fear. I really felt like I could do my thing wherever I had to, so there wasn't that concern. Oh, this is great. But what was so goofy is they're like, yeah, actually, you can go home. (laughs) Like, they did blood tests just to make sure I wasn't having, you know... The, you know, liver enzyme, you know, the other parts of preeclampsia that would show up in my blood work. And it was all fine. So, like, yeah, actually, you can go home. The OB was, though, like, wanted me to keep coming back. They're like, well, you don't have preeclampsia, but I think you should come see me still. You know? So, I, Mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. And I was like, there's not a chance. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, how many days before fun arrives is this? It's a whole nother month later or something. So I went home, and that kind of gave me, like, okay, I really need to try to keep my blood pressure down, because I've got, like, a second chance at a home birth here. Like, we didn't have to induce, and I was so ready when we went to the hospital that night, like, okay, we're going to have to do Pitocin and everything, because I was at 37 weeks, so I'm like, it's going to be a nightmare. Um, And I'm like, okay, we can do this still. We can still have a vaginal birth, but... But then we got to go home, so I was like, oh, it's a new lease on life. <laughs> keep track of that blood pressure and keep it down. And it was staying okay. I continued to take, like, some herbs and stuff. Like, really mild stuff. It was nothing real extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was okay. And then I was... My due date came, and my due date went. <laughs> and... And my blood pressure started going up again. <laughs> and there was a little protein in the urine, so it was like... Like, this is... I think this is... I think you need to have the baby, like, now. And she was like, you know, I've seen ladies, we can try to induce you. It may or may not work, you know, like castor oil or something like that. Yeah. And But your blood pressure might go up, and then now, you know, you might be in full-on, like, very active labor and having to drive to the hospital because 
I'm really not comfortable keeping you at home if your blood pressure goes high again mm-hmm. or stays high. Um, so she's like, I think we've we just got to go in. So we did. But the blessing of that is because I was now 41 weeks, the baby was fawn was super low super engaged so there was no like they could break my water and not be worried about the cord right. um so that was great it was already like three four centimeters dilated i just wasn't in labor amazing so it went so it was super smooth going so that was what was nice and when i went into the hospital you know they really liked you they're like yeah we're we're diagnosing this as preeclampsia yeah. and they're like we really like to start you on the magnesium sulfate and i was able to be like well could we not because <laughs> my blood pressure was just barely under where they absolutely are saying, like, we really say, if you're going to be in our care, you need to take this. Yeah. I don't know if they can force it. I don't know how that works. But they yeah. were still negotiating with us at that point. So this is a big highlight, too, of this conversation. And yeah. Like, because Kristen has, I just want the listeners to focus on your ability to verbally communicate with the hospital attendants, nurses, doctors, who come in and try to tell you what to do, and then the way that you tell them what you're going to do. Absolutely, yeah. My experience was that they were really understanding and would work with us, but they are so, like, it's second nature. They go through their little, like, this is what, if a woman comes in like this, we start this and this and this, and that's kind of just what they're used to doing. They probably barely even ask the woman. It's more like, oh, you're here for this. This is the care we give. But Mm -hmm. you can say, no, thank you, or you can say, can we wait, if if I stay at this, you know, if we stay under this blood pressure level, can we hold off? And, and they were really, they worked with us really well on that. Mm-hmm. But it was so funny, you know, we're sitting there, and the nurse comes in with the stuff we just told her we weren't, the magnesium sulfate. And she's, like, preparing to hook it into my IV. And, I'm, and we're like, no, remember, we're not doing that. And she's like, oh, you're right. <laughs> and then she, like, goes on out, you know, because they're busy at the hospital, and they're also, they have habits, and they see, like, so many births a day, mm-hmm. and they're used to just going, like, clockwork a certain way, so when you come in with a different thing, I think you have to realize that they're just used to doing it one way, sure. but they can do it a different way if you, you know, yeah. and kind of nicely insist on trying something different, and yeah. so got to hold off on that. They, they broke my water, and, they, and I was like, they wanted to start Pitocin immediately, and I was like, can we see what happens if we don't? We just tried breaking the water and seeing if that works. And they're like, sure, you've got you've got three hours. Wow. We need you to be in active labor in three hours or we're going to insist on the Pitocin. Because at that point, you know, like blood pressure is questionable. They're saying you have preeclampsia. And um, in my studies, I found preeclampsia can go into eclampsia and turn into seizures at any time. You know, it's, it's sometimes you have a lot of warning and sometimes you really don't as far as when it gets, you know, really serious, serious to you and serious to the baby. Mm-hmm. So that's where they're coming from. They've seen the worst of the worst, the, the woman having seizures and all that. Um, so they want to avoid that for you. So um, anyway, so they're like, yeah, we got three, you've got three hours. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> Thankfully, after they broke my water, contractions did start pretty quickly and... Uh, under three wow. hours. Yeah, yeah. It was so funny. It's nighttime now. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, let's all like lay down and take a little nap. And now I'm like, did she just need a nap or no? <laughs> I think she's like, let's relax until the contractions will wake us up, right? You know, I think that's kind of. So we all did. We're like, okay, and we like lay down and take a nap. And then an hour. Present. My husband and I. And 
And so that's who was there, yeah. Can I ask you too, though, so at this point, like, prayer is a heavy part of your your life, and is that, did you pray at this point? Were you like... I think we had prayer off and on, and just thinking about, like, God's presence with me, but I don't know that I, like, really had specific, like, really thoughtful... Yeah, you weren't like prayer. Yes, yeah. going to right now. That's what I was doing. Like, all right, let's do this. <laughs> let's do this. They just got the water bag. I'm just wondering. Yeah, and at any point too, because this is a little interjection, but um, I feel like spirituality, prayer, is oh, yeah. it's all. Um, I don't know. A lot of our listeners are yogi you know, have yoga backgrounds or have just gotten into yoga and, Mm -hmm. and, and it's, um, I always say it's like a gateway, you know, to Mm -hmm. like finding your spiritual path, whatever that looks like. And so those humans who are working, walking the planet that have spirituality, have religion in their life. Like I love to hear about it because Mm -hmm. a lot of people just don't have it, you know, like have been raised, you just without religion or without spirituality. And, and I think that, you know, and the attraction to yoga, at least for me, you know, it started through just the workout aspect. But once I started doing it, it was giving me something more. You know, it was giving me oh, yeah. like, and and what it was was spirituality, mm-hmm. and not that I became Hindu or anything like that. But but you know, just having yeah. So hearing about people who have prayer in their life, you know, and mm-hmm. what that does, and when when that comes into your birth story, or, you know, your labor process, you know, yeah. it, when and if that comes in, and if it doesn't at all, also great, you know, <laughs> yeah. you and the big man didn't communicate at all, <laughs> also great, I just, um, it's cool to hear about. Oh, totally, yeah, yeah, so, um, I'm trying to think of, I think just little bits and kind of being aware of presence, but I'm not very aware of an awful lot, I feel like, when I'm in labor, and I was pretty quickly, like, very much so in labor. Mm. Like, what they wanted, we were able to do it, and I was like, how can I get the most bang for my buck? She's <laughs> like, let's try different positions and see what's really uncomfortable, because that's probably the best position. Oh. Like, if it's, you know, at that point, like, the con- if it feels like that really makes the contraction strong, you might just want to sit there on that, wow. you know, to keep them coming. Like, you yeah. don't, you know, and I felt like that, too. I felt like I don't want to ease off and then have my labor stall. At home, it wouldn't be a stall. At home, it would be a break, you know. But yeah. in the hospital, they're going to be like, oh, see, you couldn't do it, you know. So mm-hmm. I was like, we got to keep this wow. going. <laughs> so what was that position? That position ended up being sitting on the toilet. And you could feel it. It was insane because you feel like the the seats like on your like butt bones. Yep. Ischial, you know whatever. Ischial tuberosity. Yeah. And then you just feel like the baby's head on your cervix. Like you just feel like all of that pressure is just right where it needs to be for me at that moment. But it was like oh, (laughs) I was like this is worse. She's like that's. She's like. And in not in a condescending way or an annoying way at all. She's like, remember, in labor, worse is better. <laughs> and I can't even say the way she did it, but she made you feel like, okay, this is right. This is good. You know? mm-hmm. This is what we want. Mm-hmm. This intense, you know, discomfort I'm experiencing right now. Yeah. yeah, so I don't really, I didn't think about the baby or nothing. And I was so excited about having a baby. So that was, oh my gosh, so excited. Yeah. But in, in that point in labor, I'm not thinking about 
anything except, except just down. being in that yeah. contraction, I think. Down and up. Yeah. Uh, there's a bunch of them crying. Is, are, they, are they ours? Could very well be. Amanda's doing a good job out there. Maybe. It could be. They might need a break. Let's hope. <laughs> We're going to pause. <laughs> Round two. In the country. Out here with Kristen, and we just uh, we just listened to where we left off, and uh, so Kristen's Kristen's ready to take it away. Sure, yeah. Um, I was gonna share the one maybe kind of interesting thing in that point is you know I'm so I'm sitting in the toilet in the dark in this dark bathroom because has all the lights off, which is so nice, and I think my husband is somewhere kind of pacing around the hospital room like why is it so dark. <laughs> But I kind of liked him having, you know, being able to just kind of chill and not feel like he has to be in the thick of it. That made me feel really comfortable. I think for some couples, that's they really want to be close, and that's a really bonding time for them. But for me, his intense discomfort with my intense discomfort, and then him also, he loves being outside. So being locked in a hospital room was kind of a nightmare for him. Um, just letting him kind of have his space help me to focus on what I needed to do. So that was really good. Um, and so, yeah, sitting there in the dark, throughout contractions, I would have, like, I don't know if you would call it a vision, but I would just have this mental image that just kind of came to me in labor. And it sounds really creepy, but it didn't feel creepy. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, like, I don't know if anyone's seen the movie The Ring, where there's, like, all this creepy imagery. It's kind of a horror movie, kind of more of a suspense than horror. But there's, like... The story's like a girl who's was pushed into a well. Yeah. So there's like all this weird entry of like from the bottom of a well. And so that's yeah. what I would like see is like me, I'm sitting in the bottom of the well and I look up and I see like the light around the ring yeah, of like the thing that. sitting on the top of the well, like the cap or the lid or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of like my funny thing. So yeah, I think about that like what does it mean? I don't know, but that's just where I was at. I don't know if it was like... The cervix and the baby or the, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know, the water. I don't know. But that was kind of like my weird thing I saw every time a contraction. Yeah. Did you get closer to the ring of light? Oh, gosh. I don't remember specifically that. Yeah. I just remember. Because, you know, because, like, as me, like, hearing (laughs) you say that, I'm, like, it's definitely a tunnel. Yeah, yeah. Which is sort of vaginal in that sense. Yeah, yeah. The water would be the womb when you were stuck, and then you had to like, get travel down there. That I mean, yeah, I love analyzing dreams, and of course, I just put my own spin on it. <laughs> oh, totally! It's one. Of, it's like such an iconic sounding. Where did that come from? And yeah, yeah, you can see like it's me, it's the baby, it's mm-hmm. birth, it's yeah, a journey, cool. it's yeah. So that's really that. cool. Um. It was so intense we thought, okay, maybe we could get in the tub for a while because my our concern was we don't want to get in the tub early and have it slow things down. So, But at this point, we thought, like, I think we could get in the tub. So I asked, can we do that? And she's like, I think that's a good idea. So she ran the tub. Some weird thing happened with the, like, stopper, and it drained <laughs> as we were, like, trying to get in it, there went all that nice hot water, oh. and there was no more hot water. <laughs> Whoa, in the hospital? Yeah, isn't that so bizarre? Like, that we turned bizarre. it on again, and it was, like, warmish, but not, like, mm. the beautiful hot tub. It was, like, 
kind of warm. <laughs> so I got in it, and I was just sitting there like, this is not feeling any better. In my mind, that was like my magic, like my brass ring. Like, I'll just labor for a while, and then I can get in the water, and it's going to feel so good. Because it <laughs> felt so good with my daughter, Dinaka. And then I got in it, and I'm sitting there like, this is uh, not working. And that's what I'm thinking. I don't think I said an awful lot, but my face probably said it all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm feeling queasier, and I'm like, I think I'm going to throw up. And so <laughs> then I threw up <laughs> pretty quick. And I don't – I'm going to get my charts because I don't know how long was I in the tub. I think that was really a transition time yeah. where everything was super bizarre and, mm. like, time was really weird. and Because I couldn't have been at, in it terribly long. But, yeah, it wasn't very long before I threw up. And then I was, like, starting to grunt with contractions. Oh, nice. And then um, it was pretty quick um, – a nurse came in and I was like, oh no. <laughs> like she hears the grunting and she's like, we got to get you out of there. Aww. And or it, I don't know if she came first or if like, yeah, we should get out because the water was cool. It wasn't good for birthing in. And and the hospital no longer lets you birth? No, they do not want you to have the baby in the hospital. So I have, I don't know if if the water had been warm enough, if she would have been like, they're not it. around. Yeah. I don't know if that's really her style. I know that she wouldn't want to do anything that you know, I don't know. Yeah. I know she doesn't want to do anything that is going to make things difficult for me in the hospital setting, you no. know? Well, I was just referencing because, like... Yeah. So, an interesting thing, and, and I've, I've spoken with a couple of women about this exact scenario, is, like, when you've had a baby before, mm-hmm. and the part that was really blissful, like, you're attached to it. Uh-huh, and totally. And so, you're trying to get back there <laughs> mm-hmm. to, like, let me do what I did last time, and this is such a good sort of discipline for us as mothers that like your children aren't the same your labors mm-hmm. aren't going to be the same so and true so, like the quicker we let go of that which is so easy for me to sit here and say by the way is I have <laughs> only one child and like have no idea what having two would be like but I've just heard a lot about that and so that's cool that thank you for sharing that part like I think that's very important absolutely it was a real moment of discouragement when it wasn't feeling better and I thought I had this thought, like, this is why people, why women get medicated, because they're avoiding this feeling right here where you're like, oh, this really is not so good. Yes, <laughs> that's totally true. <laughs> and I wasn't thinking that I wanted any, but I thought, like, this is why. This so is that's good to remember. This is what women are feeling when they feel like, ooh, I should have, I should have got the epidural. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that's definitely, I think that's transition. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was totally that. Yeah. Um. And I thought, like, I'm okay right now, but I thought, like, if this continues on for hours, I'm going to end up insane. Mm -hmm. Literally, I thought, I'm going to go crazy Mm -hmm. if this keeps going. And again, I was probably grunting, like, minutes later or something, Mm -hmm. it seemed like. So, there that went. Um, And then it's time to get out of the water. Um, And the nurse is like, oh, she's starting to push, so we need to check her. Oh, she's probably talking to me, probably like, oh, I want to check you or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, like, you just get comfortable in the bed. They can check you however you are. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> the nurse, you know, uh, you know, I'm sure she's used to checking people laying on their back. That's kind of the normal. And I was like, oh, don't worry about it. Like, in a nice way, not in a confrontational way. But she's just talking to me like, it's okay. They'll figure it out. And I think was also thinking, like, Clearly. And I think she said to the nurse, well, it sounds like she's fully dilated. <laughs> Again, in an, in an even like more nice way than I'm saying it. And 
I'm not sure if you know the answer to this, but if you were at home with would she do a vaginal check or no? I'm not really sure about that. That's something yeah. I've kind of wondered too. I know that she's very like as few as as possible because, yeah. you know, even two or more can be, you know, more risk than yeah. You know, so as as little as possible. I think she at that point she would have just let me push because right. I think that was very much her like, well, she's pushing. And right. <laughs> so, and it seems to be it's happening. So, mm-hmm. um but yeah, I was able to get on the bed and find this weird squatty position. Right. Um, and they checked or whatever, but I was pushing. I don't really care. Um, and the doctor came in. Um, so of all the, you know, probably total of 30 minutes that he was in the room, there was a few more minutes there. <laughs> he comes in to catch, you know. And it's so funny because I'm like with my back to the doctor, like kind of in this weird squatting thing on the bed awesome. holding on. And like trying to help me get more comfortable because I am in a weird position but I couldn't figure out how else to you can't really think so well and it's all squishy it's really hard I am trying to imagine the hospital hospital bed bed. is this a hospital bed that does the angle thing yeah so it was mostly it was like maybe half or a little more than halfway up so you can kind of hold on to it okay but Um, you're facing the back yeah so basically my bottom is at like eye level (laughs) Perfect. And I know because they're wiping a lot that mm. there's like unmentionable Everything. things happening. <laughs> yeah. Everything. It's all coming it's all, out. And it's, you know, and there's some light on, but they didn't turn on like the surgical Thank bright God. light. So that's nice. Nobody needs that. No, especially not at that point. The baby really doesn't need it. No, I've but thought about that mama too. Mama doesn't need it. Midwives <laughs> don't need it. Don, we all know it's coming out, you know? It's yeah. It's one of three yeah. things it's blood, <laughs> urine, or feces. Or probably all. All of them? All yeah, of them. Yeah. Probably. So Which that's is fine and good. Mm hmm. Yes. Totally natural. Yes. Fine yeah. And good. So they're back there, and I'm just pushing. I don't really care, even though there's a part of me that's like, this is kind of comical. (laughs) And not usually what I would expect to have my bottom in a stranger's... In a male physician's face. Yeah. Like, how... Like, so... (laughs) And Kristen and I are very laughy people. Like, Mm -hmm. we... Like, finding... I think finding the giggle in something is a really good way of handling it. Yeah. But really, like, that is... If you think about it, it's weird. It is weird. It's weird to like be like, here is my ass, man that I do not know. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it's really, because that's like also really what's happening. Like mm-hmm. you are in labor in like the most vulnerable, like, and also heroic moment of your life <laughs> with a couple of strangers and a dude behind you that you don't know. I mean, that's yeah. weird. I just, because I feel like we all just sort of gloss over that part. But yeah. like, for the listeners, really put yourself in that position. Like, do I want to be at my moment, at my divine moment, with my rear, <laughs> and my baby coming out in a stranger's, in a male stranger's hands? And it's just, you know. Yeah. Just something to think about. Yeah, it's one of those things I definitely, it's it wouldn't be, you know, my first choice, for sure. <laughs> Would rather be, you know. You're so... <laughs> with your speaking <laughs> wouldn't be my first choice yeah, yeah. yeah. but I, I also feel like at that t- point I'm like I'm just doing what I need to do of it's course. pushing time so you're kind of like of course there's that out there ladies for you know when you do have to or you feel like you choose to do something that wasn't your first choice totally but yeah it is it is very funny what's funny too <laughs> is my husband 
is praying silently, like, in this corner. Like, I can see him face to face, but he's not behind me, and that makes me happy, too, because <laughs> I'm like, ah, there's a lot. You just don't need to see it at this particular moment. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember. A lot of things are blurry for us at this moment, but with our mom's group, we, I think we were talking about this, and, you know, like, in some circumstances the partner chooses to be like right there and mm-hmm. in some circumstances the partner chooses to not be right there and also like to honor both all and any kind of the, of you know of arrangement that um mom and partner want to do and that they're all okay like yeah and they're all really beautiful and especially when it's your choice like when it mm-hmm. really is your choice um you know, because there's also stories of the partners being, like, locked out of the room. Yeah. You know, like, years back, and I think in, still in some places. Like, you know, and, and it's just, it's not your choice. If your partner wanted to lock themselves out, <laughs> great. You know, and, and you were comfortable <laughs> with it. But, you know, so, again, just, I'm sorry to interject, but, like, oh, no. just, you know, good little tidbits that come to mind in this playing. But so you and your husband have... You're happy with this separation. You're happy with this space because it's yeah, physical space, but it's emotionally. You guys are very connected. Yeah, yeah. We felt that's just kind of how we naturally went. I think for my second, having a second baby, I read a lot of things, and you read a lot of like spiritual midwifery stories where it's like the husband and wife are having this like super cosmic connection, <laughs> and I sort of thought that that would happen, but but it naturally didn't. I don't think I touch felt really strange to me in active labor yeah. and so I don't think I would have even liked that so we naturally it wasn't that way yeah. for us and we were both really I think happy and comfortable and that's great. helped us to feel at ease about the situation yeah. and in my head I'm like roaring like a lion with my pushes and it probably it might have sounded more like the whimpering of an injured barn animal. <laughs> I doubt that very seriously <laughs> but in my head it's like powerful <laughs> roaring yeah. Um, and then, like, between contractions, there was very distinct between contractions where I don't remember that with my first birth. Huh. Whereas this one, I felt like there was a, totally a rest between contractions. And I remember during pushing thinking, like, you know, I just pushed, and I think I'm just not going to push during the next contraction. Like, that's what I'm thinking in my head. I'm like, no, nah, I'm just, I'm not going to. And then a contraction comes on, and you're like, oh, you but can't. I have to. <laughs> really? Oh. Yeah, and then I felt like, well... If I'm going to push, it might as well be, like, now. a really good push. <laughs> like, it might as well be everything I've got. So I was, yeah, really intensely pushing. And she was born, like, within 10 minutes of pushing. So there she was. And, um, again, I'm not really thinking about the baby. I don't know if somehow I'm sort of thinking about the baby, but not so much. So um, the second she's out and you feel, like, this tremendous release of tension of, like, oh, gosh, <laughs> there's not a baby, like, half in me anymore yay feels so good so good and so I just like flip over and I'm like oh baby like oh there's a baby how did this happen where did it come from you know that that's how I felt and I was ecstatic and there's Mm -hmm. the baby and oh it's so wonderful and I looked you know between the legs and I'm like it's a girl and I said it like a question because there's a part of me that thought like Everybody had been like, oh, you had a girl, now you're going to have a boy. Like, that's how it works. Mm -hmm. You have one, and then you have the other. Right. And so my husband and I, we didn't feel attached to either sex, and we didn't feel like 
a feeling or an inkling either way at all. I just, there was that surprise, like, oh, I thought everyone said we were going to have a... Right. <laughs> Wait a second here. It's like chocolate and vanilla. No. <laughs> you kind of get what you, yeah. So, um, so there was like a little bit of surprise and I was like, I hope I'm seeing everything correctly because it is a little dim and you're like, yeah. but I don't know. Anyway, so, mm-hmm. yeah, so I was like, oh, it's my girl and you're just like, wow, she's amazing and my thought was like, she looks like my baby, like, it looks like this is the baby I have, like, you know, it yeah. looked like her sister, and we were thinking that, and it just felt like, oh, I didn't expect her to look so much like a member of the family right from birth, you know, yeah. so that was, like, for whatever reason, a delightful surprise. That's also. so cool. And she was just so cute and snuggly. And oh. yeah. So, and like, so pain-wise, like, in your 30 minutes, you said 30 minutes or 10 minutes? 10 minutes, yeah. 10 pushing. minutes, beautiful. That's just amazing. You think, was that the most painful part or was transition in the bathtub the most painful part? Um, like it was like, awfully intense with the pushing, so there's something like extra, and I, I don't think we already said this, um, for whatever reason, because it was my second or because I was in the bath or the, the water with my first birth, I didn't feel it very distinctly, mm-hmm. whereas this time I felt it like, I felt like, oh my gosh, there's a, like a person crawling through my pelvis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a lot more like, whoa. Um, but transition, I, but I feel like when you're pushing, I feel like I see the light at the end of the tunnel and I'm at least getting to like work. And so that was... Um, something I liked about that and it was more distinctive between contractions time right it was kind of nice and yeah and so and then the second you turn around and you like hold fun yeah it, and this can you describe like where is the pain how is the level it's I'm gone gone completely I'm just like ecstatic and like I don't care about anything else Mm -hmm. or any kind of anything and just like oh baby I don't even remember like the doctor handing me the baby I just remember flipping around and there's like oh baby and I'm holding it and it's like ooh it's mine (laughs) yeah so yeah like that giddy excitement yeah it's another thing that just for listeners especially people who are like thinking about having a baby or pregnant and like wondering how it's gonna go um when you when you get to be 100% present and there aren't any drug interventions or um, interventions really of any kind, this is this very common, you know, 100% across the board story is that you go through this, you know, epic waves of super duper mondo pain that you've never experienced before in your life that might drive you to insanity. (laughs) And then the second the baby clears you know, and is out in your arms, this pain goes away entirely. And not only does it go away, but like you then soar to this high of happiness, joy, love, at like an intoxicating level in the, in the positive way. Oh, absolutely. And so, and just like drawing attention to that because all the fear, like, so the fear of childbirth and the fear of the pain, the fear of the suffering, like, all of that is true and all of that is valid even you know like it's valid to have feelings of like this is gonna suck you know <laughs> but then the reward of that instant bond and that instant connection and this like the magnitude of that feeling of love is I'm trying to put it into words but like it's, I'm just like throwing pebbles at a mountain oh absolutely you know yeah. like I like want the listeners to know like what it feels like to have gone through that and 
guess you'll just have to try it for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you just go out there and, yeah. <laughs> go out there and have that baby. Yeah. Um, yeah, you've heard, you know, the term orgasmic birth, and I've heard it described different ways. Um, some of the ways I, I've heard described, you know, involve, I think, sounds like less pain and things like that, and just like all ecstasy, and I can't say that I experienced that, but I definitely see there's such a parallel where you're kind of like, um, your body is sort of going on this journey that you're not super in control of, and you're experiencing really intense things, and then there's that like super ecstatic peace and like happiness and feelings of love, and like, this is the greatest moment of my life, kind of, this is amazing, like, nobody else in the world has ever experienced this, like, amazing feeling of when you have your baby, yeah. Right on. <laughs> yes. Kind of drive that point home. It's just so rewarding. It, like, just doesn't do it justice to say that, but, like, yeah, it's the greatest gift, biggest reward. Um, I will say that said that already on this podcast but it's my favorite point so I'll just say it again sure is that our male counterparts you know and like just men in general have like to go out and to seek out their mountain to climb or seek out their um whatever their big journey is but like women we have this we have this built into our systems this have the baby um you know, will like form the baby, keep the baby, nourish mm-hmm. the baby inside of our bodies, and then bring the, the baby into the world. And in that is like that mountain climb, and that yeah, is that yeah. like you know, and so just being able to do that without, and it's like you don't you don't do it; it it does you. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, <laughs> it's uh, just yeah. so cool. Well, and then Fauna's here, and Fauna's amazing, and um, Wolfie and Fawn get to play, so that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, but so I guess, well, is there anything else you want to say about that, about the and like, after, so like in the days to follow, the hours to follow, the days to follow? Um, yeah, it was just wonderful. You f- I felt like I'm the queen of the universe, and this is like the heir to the universe, is this little bundle, and I just felt like... I don't know, the boss of everyone around. And I don't think I was, like, um, difficult or, like, really bossy, but I did feel like, I don't know. You're just, like, so focused on the baby, and you feel like a million bucks. And Mm -hmm. that's the other great thing I feel like is I was just a few hours later, um, you know, walking around the room, and you feel great. You're like, woohoo, you know, and I think you should be careful about not doing too much too soon because your body is healing, and it's an incredible event. But I just felt fantastic, like... Mm -hmm so quickly afterward um I didn't feel drained or like you know I just felt great so awesome. so good and then like you guys got home and then the next like couple of days two weeks what does that look like with you and Fawn um yeah just a lot of um snuggling around the house she had some jaundice and so she was a big baby so she was also nine and a half pounds no way so we thought when she came out, we thought, oh, she looks so small, but she was also nine and a half pounds. Wow. Um, and like 21 inches or something like that. So she's a good sized girly. And um, they were just at the hospital very concerned about jaundice. And I think um, maybe it's with some just recent happenings in the area or it's just in the country with jaundice where they're, they are really tightening down on 
just any kind of bad numbers with that, and they really want, you know, it was just like, so that was a whole, that's a whole nother situation, but, so we had to be in the hospital for a couple of days so no that way. she could get the phototherapy, um, and we could have, we could have just marched out, um, but I understand if you do that, they will, um, like, send social workers to your house to kind of check up on you, and we just kind of, um, in our family, they're, not like in our immediate family, but in some extended family, there's been some, like, interactions with social workers where we feel like we just don't want it (laughs) we were willing for us we made the choice to stay in the hospital and do the deal even if we didn't think it was completely necessary to avoid that intervention of people coming to our house um the hospital ended up um great hospital here in eugene they um have a program where they ended up covering like the whole hospital stay for her wow so that was really Wow. really generous they they really I think they try to be um, nice and we originally had planned to pay cash for everything but we also felt like we were kind of between a rock and a hard place with that so we kind of took the charity <laughs> we were like okay mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll take it yeah that's so interesting I, I don't have the language right now about jaundice but I because Wolfie had it mm-hmm. it's also um, like really normal yeah, absolutely. It's um, they call it physiologic jaundice for most babies, where it's like it's physically what they do. Yeah, it's part of the process of being a newborn is jaundice. Right, and and it's some, and I can't remember the specifically the name, but like there's an enzyme or a hormone that's really like that's provided by the placenta, provided by the mom, and so when the baby comes out, and it's not in the breast milk, so that's. So there's like a time period. Yes, that's what it is. It's not in the breast milk. So the baby has to like f- learn how to make it on its own. And that takes a couple days to weeks. Yeah. And that's, yeah. yeah. So yeah. we'll just, you know, again, for the listeners, like if they're familiar with that, because jaundice can sound, it sounds scary, but yeah. And for the most part, it is very natural and nothing to worry about. Yeah. Yeah, they were, I guess, uh, it was ABO jaundice was what they were saying she had. Um, that had to do with the fact that my blood type is O and hers is B. So it's kind of, um, it's not the same as like RH isoimmunization, but it's sort of like that in the sense that there's a, there's an interaction between my blood and her blood happening in her body that's making her have extra red blood cell deterioration. So it's, it was extra, but it was never even close to the danger zone or like normally when they would treat it, we never got there, but they felt like they wanted to be really aggressive with it. Mm -hmm. And that was, they said, you know if you decide to take her home. They said you can't take her home or something, mm-hmm. which we know is not exactly true. <laughs> but right. when you're a new mom and you have that vision of, like, oh, somebody gosh. trying to stand between you and your baby, because they they were mostly, I would say, mostly nice, but they have to... It, it's their policy to use some threatening language, which I think is really mean to a brand-new mom, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, with their new little baby, where they make it sound like the management's going to come and, like, stand with their arms across their chest, like, in front of you and, like call the cops I don't know they make it sound a little uh yeah so authoritarian like it's not your choice yeah so we decided okay we'll just play the game for a couple days and who knows maybe maybe her levels would have skyrocketed at home I don't know something to I guess think about if you if you and your husband have different blood types I don't know I don't know if it's even worth thinking about well again it's also (laughs) it's like the hospital, they have these um, protocols, mm-hmm. right, that are in line because the hospital, they're not not nearly as afraid of, like, 
what's going on physiologically mm-hmm. because there might be a 1% chance that it yeah. goes wrong. Mm-hmm. But it's the 1% chance that if it does go wrong that because of medical malpractice yeah, and lawsuits, absolutely. that's what is going on. So it's not, it's no longer about like the wellness of the mm-hmm. mom or the baby. It's mm-hmm. about the fear that the hospital has that they're going to get funding taken away or they're going to get shut down or, you know, yeah. because if they make, you know, air quotes here, like if they make a wrong decision. Um, so yeah, this is a big topic. And mm-hmm. um, Chris and I have also been uh, attending the statewide, you know, Oregon Midwifery Council um, meetings in the past couple of weeks and, and just the level of fear that we've seen and heard that's been that's being trickled down due to medical malpractice is is really disheartening and really really scary you know like I hate to say that but like because um what what we're seeing is that this this fear of being sued is actually what's governing decisions around moms babies families Mm -hmm. and and if we don't like nip this in the bud, you mm-hmm. know, if we don't do something about this now, like, because this is, if you think about it, this is the first moment, you know, of someone's life. And like, if the first moments of someone's life are, are governed around fear and not around love, that sets a whole different trajectory. And, you know, and, and Kristen is definitely amazing in the sense that you and Josh have like really, your trust and your belief in yourself as parents and your, your your intuition like they're following it I totally and I understand why you're like let's just stay at the hospital because we don't want to deal with this like I love that that option it's a great option um, (laughs) because you don't because it's like what's the word it's like it ruffles the least feathers yeah you know um and what am I trying to say but on the other hand You, you have other options to go home and they probably, it's something we hadn't really considered. What is that when you're at the hospital and then you want to check out against medical advice with a baby and right. that process. So I don't, I don't know that women really need to sit around considering that, but. No, but um, it's more of just the fact that you were put in that position in the first place. You know, yeah. like that's the part that bothers me. I'm sure that it bothers yeah. you, you know, and it's, and it's, um, and hindsight, you know, like, like I guess that's what I was trying to say. It's it's in the past, and mm-hmm. you guys handled it beautifully, and you know, and it's not even. I'm not trying to sit here and be like shame on you, hospital, for you know doing that. It's like I understand the trauma that the hospital is also going through. That's what I'm Absolutely. saying. Absolutely, you know, yeah. Like, I really feel for them because they're really. Um, I think the nurses, doctors, like from very early on, they're really taught. It's really kind of drilled into them to care for the patients and that. Sometimes to care for them, it doesn't, you can't trust them to care for themselves. I feel like there's part of, it's part of their mentality sometimes for some healthcare providers and what's taught. And reading textbooks, you see that a lot of like, you have to protect the patients almost because they don't know. And some of that's maybe put in there also because of litigation and just to keep them on board with, well, you're not just, you know, caring for them because of legal reasons. You're doing it because it's what's best for them. I think a lot of doctors and nurses really believe that when they're essentially threatening me <laughs> to keep me in the hospital, I really believe that they felt like that was for her health. And we saw another pediatrician who was like, 
apologetic who was like, I don't understand why we don't just rent you a phototherapy thing to take home. That's what we did it when with my kids when they were born, you know. Oh. So they, he was unsure about why, why was the protocol to keep somebody in the hospital for days for phototherapy when it's really you just need... You know, some sunlight. It shouldn't be that big a deal. My midwife was like, just put him by the door when he's stiffy. Like, go down the up, like the the, the window door, yeah, where the sun pours in. And yeah, Uh, I mean, we could talk about it. I don't, this is another thing. So, you know, we're in the beginning of this podcast, and I don't want to rabbit hole every time, but it's. It's difficult not to because mm. this seems to happen mm-hmm. almost every time. Like, you know, when there's hospital intervention, is it is the hospital individuals who put this pressure on mom that that mom doesn't know what's best for mom and baby. And mm-hmm. like and so when you put when you start to believe that when the mother starts to believe that, which Kristen, which Kristen did not, but like that can happen because mm-hmm. it's like we're we live in a very authoritative society where like you know you just do it because the cop said to or you just do it because the doctor said to you and 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 then sometimes you know like I get it it's society we have to we have to roll this way in order for you know roads to be built and for you know (laughs) hospitals to exist and things like that but there has to be some sort of like understanding ground you know where like we have to remember that we're not all just numbers and we're not all just statistics and that like we can view each case you know as individual as the people that the cases are about you know because they're just it's just different and um Moving right along, <laughs> because we must. Um, here is the section that I would love to know. So about, and you can go on any one of these, but like about your own birth, your mother's birth, or your father's birth, or Josh's birth. Sure. There, are there some birth stories in the historical line that you'd like to? Sure, I can share. give you really brief rundowns. Um, so I was born. That's great. Do you think? Okay. Hey, how's it going? Um, Daughter coming. Daughter number one. She is very walking. (laughs) She is very adult. She is. She's driving. It's crazy. Um. Anyway, so I was born by C-section. My mom was 19 when she had me, and she was in the military. So it was a. I don't. It wasn't a military hospital. Actually, I take that back. But um, there was a blizzard, and her water broke. And, uh, or the blizzard was just starting that night, but they knew it was going to be a doozy. It was like the blizzard of the year. And so she went into the hospital and they kind of gave her this spiel, like, we're all preparing to get snowed in. The nurses who are working are not getting off shift. They're staying on shift for the night. We want to get, we want to start Pitocin immediately when it was just her water broke, but she wasn't in labor. And this is 1987. So that gives you kind of a time frame um, for the obstetrical world at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, large very large hospital in Baltimore anyway um so they start the Pitocin she's on it all night long having these awful contractions um just miserable and um she's there with her partner and he's also 
I more and more I wonder if he's actually sort of similar to my current husband where I think he was like this is awful in a hospital and this woman mm-hmm. I love is just completely miserable and I can't fix it and here I am yeah. <laughs> so she didn't have a lot of support and the nurses were understaffed tired maybe grouchy <laughs> and, yeah, nervous dealing with about all this stuff and... so she's just alone so there's nobody with her um just you know, Pitocin, so really strong contractions. So the next morning, um, she they finally say, well, maybe we should do an epidural because you're not opening up at all. So all night, like, I don't think she had any progress. Mm. Um, I, clearly, I think she probably just wasn't ready to go into labor, you know? Yeah. And maybe just given even a day or two could have really made the difference. But there she is. They give her an epidural. She just, like, is in a deep, heavy sleep. And I think because it's just, she's just laying there in the bed in this super deep sleep. So my heart rate goes down as baby because she's, she's having, you know, that the hypotension cause she's had an epidural and she's on Pitocin and she's laying flat on her back and asleep. she's in the hospital during a blizzard alone. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. yeah. So my heart rate started not being so good. And so they were like, they tried to change position and do some different things. Um, wake her up, be like, oh, okay, this is what's going on. Um, and it seemed to work and then not work is what I understand. Like, and I wonder if they could have given her a little more time, but anyway, they said, oh, you know, we need to do C-section and she really felt like anything to save my baby. That was her mentality of like, she was afraid of like, oh my gosh, you know, the baby's not doing well, then let's, you know, and Meanwhile, she's just been all night having these awful contractions. And she definitely didn't have a midwife or dual no, no support. No. She had. She, I think she saw like um, military OBs. I think is like on base doctors or I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, at any rate, she didn't know a lot of like kindness or caring a lot. Um, yeah. And maybe some good doctors. She. You'd have to ask her. She might be like, I had this one doctor I really liked. Yeah. <laughs> when I but I when I picture it, I just picture that lonely night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And so I was born by C-section. It was considered like an emergency C-section. Like, we got to get the baby out. Um, and she obviously just felt really crummy mm-hmm. after that, uh, having to deal with the surgery. And she was just very out of it. And um, she she was determined to breastfeed. And so she did. Nice. Um, but it was hard. And she just wanted to get out of the hospital. And she was so, like, you know, hunched over and in pain. And she was really kind of woozing out of it for I think a couple days and they would bring, bring me in to nurse and then take me back. And she was having just a hard time dealing with all of it. Mm. Um, poor gal. And then, so then, um, and she managed to breastfeed for six months, despite the fact that she was still an MP, um, military police. So she still had like to work. Wow. Um, I think she was like graveyard gate duty or something. Wow. With a baby, which I wasn't with her. I had to be, you know, with a babysitter. So then she, you know, comes, she has to pay for babysitter all night and then come home and try to sleep with a baby who's now daytime, you know. Right. It was a really hard time, I think, in my mom's life. But, yeah, she did it. And she's, like, my biggest fan, so I can't really say enough good things about my mom. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and so does, how does that story, how does that story affect your drive to the midwifery practice and birth work in general and affect you as a mom yeah that definitely touches me um I mean I always grew up with that story and I always viewed it as like a heroic story of my mom like um doing whatever she needed to do to have the baby um and definitely the more I learn though I also feel like 
she it could have gone easier it could have gone it could have been a completely different story under different circumstances I think and Mm. of course we know we can never really go back and say what would have happened but even just with more care I think um, just the caring people with her Mm -hmm. um, to be there for her and to let her know I don't know Mm could have really been wonderful. Remember that movie with Gwyneth Paltrow, Sliding Doors? Yeah, I have seen that. about that? Yeah. I feel like this, like, we should, like, do a redux of that movie about, like, this story is perfect, you Mm -hmm. know? Because you almost could cut it in in any different way. Like, you could have been like, okay, well, what if she just said she was going to have a baby at home? What if she decided to take a nap and fell asleep and the blizzard happened and she had the baby at home? What would that have meant for her life, for her partner and her life? Like, their connection, like, it could have been, like, completely Mm life-changing. Yeah, so I do, I kind of wonder about that. And, you know, Mm -hmm. life is, it happens the way it happens, but um, it's interesting because it could have been a different story. And I think Mm -hmm. even just not having a C-section even if somehow she did, because that was the hardest part for her being kind of drugged and mm. the pain of the operation. Okay. That was Having so to hard. From it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that. I was a scheduled C section too. I, I was. A, I guess I was breached. So. Anyway, oh yeah. I feel you on that. Interesting. Um. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's, um, but I can also tell you, my husband, however. His mom is just like, um, she loved the anime books when she was pregnant. She was pregnant in the 80s, and um, and so that was, she was all about that. And um, she has, so my husband was born at home with a traditional midwife, and she re- received payment um, of a wool Guatemalan blanket and a salmon that Josh's dad had caught. So, on the other hand, there's there's that, where they had that, you know, home birth and really open to that. Oh, cool. Yeah. Was he born inside? Uh, I believe so. I believe so. And it was only just recently, my mother and I were talking about something, and she's like, I birthed my babies on my hands and knees, too. She had to have some hospital deliveries as well as, as her home birth. And, you know, so we were like, oh, we never knew that about because we were never together having babies. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, oh, we, like, we birthed in the same position, kind that's of. You know, cool. So that was kind of cool. That is cool. Oh, that's so cool. Does your, is the traditional midwife that Josh was born, is she still around? I don't know. I think um, my mother-in-law, Rita, she, I think she's maybe kind of looked around every now and then, but I don't think she, I don't know if she's looked too much, um, so she's not sure. We should find her if she's around. We should, right? That would be so cool. That would be cool. Yeah. <laughs> we should make that movie. Let's do it. The Sliding Doors part of this. That is so, I'm there. <laughs> um, awesome. Well... I guess, and then my final question would be to the listeners. So, with all of your with all of your knowledge, you know, you your two children that you had naturally, um, and with your story of coming into the world, cesarean section, and your partner coming into the world from for a salmon and a watermelon blanket at <laughs> home. Um, why natural birth? Why or why home birth? Why natural birth? Like, yeah. Totally. Um, I think 
with my first birth, I viewed it as a challenge and like an exciting challenge. Like that would be, it's on like running a marathon or something like this would be a really cool thing to do. Um, <laughs> it's going to be great. <laughs> I'm 17. I'm fresh. <laughs> yeah. It's all awesome. It's totally going to work the way I want it to all the time. That's what, you, that's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. It's going to be great. Um, and then as a, as a more mature adult and having my second baby, the, I, I plan kind of the same thing, but the but also looking into it and realizing that it's the safest birth, that natural is the safest. You want to mess with things as little as possible because we are so well equipped to have babies. And so unless there's like medical, really legit medical <laughs> reasons, you know, try to leave it alone, you know. And so that really drew me is, is and draws me to birth work is um, just that it is the safest thing and realizing that it's not only about birth but it is about taking care of your infant and what what state do you want to be in when you're taking care of your infant you know do you want to be trying to heal from a surgery on top of having just created a human being in you (laughs) because that's like such a double whammy and the emotional um it's just so depressing when you (laughs) hospital things um I feel like almost always different kinds of surgeries, operations, not even just talking about birth, but any kind of hospital thing, I feel like leaves you in a state, a little bit of depression and healing, and you're off your game. Um, Whereas I feel like birthing naturally puts you on your game in a really fantastic way. Like you're at the height of who you are and you have the energy you need to do what you need to do, which again, involves a lot of laying around and snuggling. So (laughs) that's a lot of what you need to do, but you're, you're present and you don't feel that same, um, yeah, just depressed kind of feeling of, of traumatized and victimized that you can feel after, you know, surgery and you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, so beautifully said. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. I mean, I could talk to Kristen forever and probably will after I click the button. <laughs> but, um, and yeah, we might have Kristen back on because um, we're both, we're both um, getting into birth work. So, and whatever that looks like, we wish you the best with your mother adventures and your partner adventures and more babies maybe. <laughs> so, um, until next time. Thank you. Thank, Thank you so you. much. All right, that's a wrap on Kristen Hendricks. Thanks so much for sharing those incredible, empowering birth stories. Such beautiful um, humans that I get to call my friends. Um, So yeah, just big thanks to, let's see, Christiana Dancer, our new producer of the show. Um, She's just wonderful to work with. I could not have found a better human um, to produce this show so um, thank you Lillian Shoup for connecting us and all of your wisdom thank you Christiana for all of your hard work and dedication to the show and thank you to Justin Briggs out um, East Coast who is the um, musician, the creator of our theme song and uh, we're going to get he and his partner on the show after they have their water birth um, this month out in Brooklyn. So um, big shout out and thanks to everybody for helping the show be possible. And um, gosh, I need to come up with my with my good 
my good salutation. But for today, may your intuition and your instinct return. Bye. Hey!